As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting at the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Android's Dungeon, a show about books, movies, games, music, whatever happened to us before we walked in the studio. We did not walk into a studio today. In fact, one of us did not walk anywhere except from the dining room to the office, and the other one was pedaling rapidly and using the energy... But of his legs to compel the pedals to move gears that would in turn move chains, then turn activate wheels that are moving in a forward direction typically. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little cruise out there. And thanks to John for the bike because I didn't end up buying one, I just got given one by a good friend. And it looks like garbage, but it runs great. He actually sent him like that exact message was that you know it's got uh it's got a mountain tire on the front and a road tire on the back, and it's got pink duct tape for handlebars. Um, and then it just cruises. It's just beautifully smooth, super responsive. Barely have to touch it to cru to get up to speed and. Uh, yeah, so I sent him that, and he sent me back like the video of Han Solo describing the Millennial Falcon. He's like, you know, it don't look like much, but he's got to work out. Custom, got to work counts. Got a lot of custom modifications on this. I don't know if like mountain bike on a front road tire on a back it is like a thing, like intentional, or if he just happened to have those tires or what. But, hey, it works. Is it an actual mountain bike mountain bike or is like the the tire or is this the frame is a mountain bike, yeah. And the front tire is a mountain bike. And then the back tire is a road bike. Okay. Well, it sounds pretty good. A free bike is a free bike, so Yep. Uh Android's Dungeon is a show about talking about biking on occasion. Yeah. Uh my bike is non existent slash uh I found it somewhere on Ferguson. And I need to actually turn it into a proper bike, as in I need to inflate the wheels, Stole get the brakes the checked. Well, I, I, it's, it wasn't quite stolen as much as like it being it was being thrown away. And it, I, I, my understanding is that bikes were very, and they still are to an extent, difficult to come by. So I was like, okay, yeah, it looks hot commodity. It looks pretty good to me, so I'll get it. And uh, it, it is currently sitting in the rusting remains of uh, little little Haiti in the backyard so one day i listened to an interesting thing on the radio the other day where they were talking about commodities and products that had really taken a bad hit during the lockdowns and then things that had gone way up and bikes obviously were some one of the things that went way up some of the things that went down and are now making like this massive spike in recovery are things like deodorant and makeup lipstick were a bit was a big thing you know, uh, prophylactics, like anything that like you, you would be using 
in social situations where just nobody was buying them. People were just stinking it up in their own apartments. The deodorant one makes zero sense to me and is frankly disturbing, to be honest. <laughs> kind of gross, yeah. Because anyone um, that like doesn't want to... like. Because Joel, I don't know. Maybe I'm just speak for myself here, but I know if I smell, like it's a big deal. It's yeah, not. I don't like it. No, I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most people shouldn't. But but uh, bikes spiked massively during the pandemic because obviously it was something you could do. And uh, unlike a lot of other things that have gone back down, they're just continuing to get more and more in demand. So the the supply is not cut up, and I think if you, there was a time where Jason went into backpedaling this local golf shop and tried to uh, see what he could get, and they said they could put him on a wait list, and he said, okay, how long is the wait list? And they said, about 500 bikes right now. 500 people waiting on the wait list for a that's bike. The, that's, all right, and that's the Dorsia line right there, so yeah. come on. <laughs> What a joke! Those, like, just waiting yeah, you can for get one in twenty twenty three. If you like, it's like buying a Tesla right now. What a joke! They knew exactly what they were doing when they they made that statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically saying politely, f off. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I don't even think it's that polite. They should have just said, "Look, man, we we are very backed yeah, up." So, screwed. Yeah. yeah. But he's already got a nice bike. So what's his problem? Yeah, well, you know, bikers. Yeah, I do, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Exactly. Uh, What's with bikers, man? I, 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 I uh, empathize with that cartoon where it's like, you know, you got this. It's like the corner of a boxing ring and the coach is talking to the guy and he's sitting there and he's got a like a sign on him. It's like insufferable person contest. Yeah. And he's... A vegan and it's like yeah you can do this man it's like and then in the other corner is just a biker with his helmet and drinking it you know with his sunglasses <laughs> on drinking he's a got this <laughs> it's true i don't know what it is it's like a cult it's i don't know any other subculture i can speak of that um like i'm trying to think of other ones that are obsessive like the mma guys are pretty obsessive sports yeah. i guess in general uh board gaming is its own thing but i think Outside of some elitism that shows up, depending on how drunk I am, too, it's really just more like you're just excited that people are participating versus like, uh, ooh, <laughs> yeah. Gee, I I guess. Mean, I'm sure there's like maybe you talk to Y or you know somebody out there where you like start describing, I don't know, Wingspan or um, his name's Clearclaw. You know, yeah, Clearclaw, something like that, where it's like those people aren't gonna get on your level kind of thing but i i feel like we you know we've been very successful with this show because no i'm just kidding um, <laughs> uh we 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 enjoy games on all levels is what i was gonna say i mean we're we're, we're enjoying 1856 but we're also out there playing Con concordia and yeah um splendor and azul and all the, all the basic games as well we still we still like them we're still playing that language game that you taught me which was actually a lot of fun what language was that? Game. With the aliens and the oh, first contact, and first contact, and letter jam. Well, it's because you know. there's there's all different types, right? It's 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 just you don't want to fall down the hole where let's say you're only playing eight hour games or you're only playing like twenty minute mindless games too. And the 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 issue is that the more you more and I this we've we've gone away from the biking analogy or metaphor, I think. But when it comes to games, this is something that I think you'll you you understand, Joel. And we've talked about it a little bit is that. 
you don't have time for bad games unless you're just being polite because we we know better. It's it's like you don't have time to eat bad food if you know how to make better food. Like why are you doing this? Why and I'm not saying slumming it in sense of like, oh, I just heated up some hot pockets cuz hot pockets are fine. They're tasty. They do the trick. But you can't just sit there eating hot pockets all the time and you also don't want to eat like some weird knockoff hot pocket that you found in the back of uh uh food basics that the end of a you know, freezer you, somewhere yeah and you don't recognize the brand and you eat it and then you're sitting on the toilet for a night and you just think why did i do that to myself and it, it's just you need to if there are better options there are better options and that doesn't mean you have to go always to the flame and yell when like uh, a little like some stewing beef will work but at the same time it's if you have the option sometimes it's it's you know you should treat yourself you should go for the good stuff and uh, that's why it's just like some of these party games. I think party games are the worst offenders, to be honest. And some of these middling euros that it's like, you really yeah. want to play? What do you meme when? And that, that's fine if somebody's really like hooked on it. But it's like, OK, you can get one game of that in or a couple and everyone has a good time and you keep your power level safe and then you just move on and, and you go, OK, geez, what am I doing? You get one under the belt and then you, you maybe next time you can introduce them to, to something. Yeah, just, more. Yeah, you just names down <laughs> just call it a day <laughs> but that's the thing you meet somebody at a party and you yeah. ask them what games they're going to play you're not immediately going to be like oh <laughs> you <Monopoly. fool."> right? <laughs> you can actually have like a meaningful half hour conversation about Catan with someone right easy you might be thinking in your head like man i would love to get this person on something legit <laughs> but you know you can still you know recognize that there are functions in that game that are interesting and, and neat yeah absolutely there's Catan's, a market yeah Catan is not i i think you hate Catan more than i do joel but it's <laughs> you played it too much you've played it way more than i have so that's that's perfectly fair but it's like um i think there's zero it's just in terms of the 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 fun to minute ratio, I think that Catan just is unfortunately in most of the games I've played just drags. It goes on in, like interminably long, and some of these negotiations are painful, and you feel like there's it, it's it's like you're looking at it and you're thinking like the amount of fun to the the fun to minute ratio here. I could be playing theoretically Civ and getting like ten times the value I'm getting out of this right here because yeah, that's true. Civ's got more in its negotiations and Catan has in it so by far. But it I don't know. That's a that's a it's a hot subject. I don't know if I feel like going down that road right now. But, um what have you been playing recently, Joel? Well we got the big one obviously uh was Citadel Conference. Mm-hmm. Um aside from that I did give uh Resident Evil Village a try. And what are your thoughts? And... How many hours in are you? I'm enjoying it. I think uh, I'm only about an hour and a half in, maybe. Okay. I'm uh, I'm a little stuck right now, though. And maybe I'll ask you, because I don't want to Google it. Maybe I'll ask you for a quick tip. Okay. And so, mild spoilers for the beginning part of Village coming up. Um, you know, I've followed the plot and its general progression to explain to you that, you know, outside wind and air from outside will kill little vampire girls. Yeah. Um, but I can't seem to bait any of them out to window areas and i'm worried that i messed up in that i broke the windows too early and now they won't go into those rooms mm. or there's something else i'm missing because i there was like i got the map you know i got the key yeah and, with the wine bottle and i got the map and i went out and i heard what's her name complaining yeah um but i, I couldn't quite get onto the patio 
Like I can see it on the map, but I don't know. Maybe I missed a door or something. It's uh, you haven't screwed anything up as far as the uh, the daughters go. And my understanding is that like it's usually a pretty like careful arena where it's like it's clear you just until there's a window to break that just run and until you get to that point and it's very obvious because they start freezing up again um then just like lay into them with a shotgun and call it a day um the the patio you're referring to i'm not quite sure i i did get a little mixed up i think maybe in a similar spot as you but the the only thing I screwed up is that, or I got confused, was there was a room with a puzzle, and I said you can't see it, but there's some air quotation marks on puzzle because you're supposed to spin this, um, and I think it's how you got the bottle of wine. You're supposed to spin those statues around, but um, I didn't find the the I, the action prompt on those statues, so I was a little frustrated. I was kind of running around aimlessly until I went back to the room. I was like, yeah, this felt like I was supposed to do something. Oh, there it is. I just was standing in the wrong place and didn't notice that I can actually spin these things around. So have you done that already? Four statues and a... Yeah. Okay, I haven't done that, so I'll go back and do that and maybe... There I'll... you go. Give that a shot, because maybe that's what you're doing wrong, or you're getting mixed up. Because I got same the thing courtyard and the, everything, and it just seemed like a lot of extra territory for me not progressing it. Anyway. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I I like, know what you mean. There's a flow to it, and, and I don't know if it, it's hit you yet, but have you become obsessed with the map whenever you see that red, the red room, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you, the blue room is like completely explored, and the red room is like, oh, you missed something. It's like, uh, oh, look no. Look around. <laughs> yeah. Look every corridor, yeah, smash everything. Getting really into that map view for, for a while now. I forgot to mention, this, this hasn't come up to you yet, or shouldn't, but... Do not spend a single magnum bullet for the entire game until the end because you will regret it. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. I Don't haven't even got the gun out yet, but uh, yeah. good to know. And Don't I think I think the the <clears throat> perk um, came with some kind of package where, like, first time you go meet the duke, like a whole bunch of stuff is no dollars. Did that it's, happen that's, with you too? That's the. Uh, it's part of the download pack where like there are free things. things it, well, it's like a pre-order, yeah. So there are free things. I think he just gives you some stuff, period. Maybe on yeah. that difficulty. But there are things like there's a $200 handgun, which is way better than when you start with. And yeah. I didn't touch it because I felt like I was cheating, so I didn't do it. And then there are little yeah, charms. Yeah, a little dirty. Yeah, because you can just sell your first handgun for a lot of cash and get like a bit of a boost. But you're not going to have enough. That's the thing. You're going to get better weapons also down through the game. So don't get too obsessed with upgrading stuff. I'd say just focus on... Um, you can be cheesy too, so if you run out of ammunition, um, as rather than reloading, you can run and just buy the ammo upgrade, and then it fills up your, your magazine again. And same thing with you find the items in the, the field. If you find the extended magazine, wait till you're low on ammo before you add it, and then it instantly gives you an extra 15 bullets for free. So little things here and there. Like, that... I'll fight every single thing with a knife if I can. <laughs> well, <laughs> hacking away luck. and running and hacking and running. And it's Good like, oh, it takes like half an hour to kill one like, group okay. of guys. And I'm like, why am I wasting my time with this? I should just shoot them. Yeah, yeah, I won't it. waste my bullets. <laughs> 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 it does feel a little tight at the beginning, but um, if you can be kind of chintzy and kind of, you can go halfway. You can shoot them in the head and you can drop and you can knife them a couple times and maybe get an extra slash or two and then and just finish them off. Don't be a tough guy. You're not, yeah. it's not even worth when it. you block, I think you still take a little damage. Mm -hmm. But the but, damage uh, thing is also kind of weird. <laughs> so one yeah. of the, once in a while, I accidentally hit control and I'm like, no! <laughs> it's just going to burst. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is a waste. <laughs> and there's not a lot of health in the game, I'll tell you that much. Like, unless you're buying yeah. stuff, it's, there's, or really looking for it, so be careful with that. But 
Anyway, I'm glad you're up. I want to hear what you say when it's done, but I loved it. Absolutely loved it from start to finish. It hit all those dopamine the receptors. And it's hyper violent, and it's just it's got oh. a good pace to it too. Like I can't believe how quickly I've been moved from like the beginning story all the way to the castles. Like bam, 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 and all this stuff happening all at once. Well, especially now you're at the castle too. Now you're in the, the 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 real pacing of the game is kicked up. No longer it's like cinematic. Do little things. Cinematic. Do little things. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> Um, speaking of zombies, I, I, I think I kind of mentioned it a little while ago when I was doing partially a solo recording, but uh, when I have some time, I've been playing a bit of Days Gone on the PC, which is, I don't know if you know this game, Joel, do you? I've definitely heard of it. Is this uh, like a, no, it wouldn't be like one of those online survival games, right? No, it was That's a... Days with a Z, I think. Day Z, Day Z. Yeah. No, this is a. It was a game that came out late in the PS4's life cycle, and it was hyped up for a while. And it was basically, if you want to do, what's the elevator pitch? It's Red Dead Redemption with motorcycles and zombies. That's really nice. kind of. Uh, I think that's unfair to Red Dead Redemption because it's the. Even though I haven't played really either of those games, um, what I have seen strikes me as like it's way higher budget and way more developed and thought out than Days Gone is, but. Days Gone still is entertaining, and it's it's you're basically running around what is uh, I I don't know if it's the entire state of Oregon, um, but they've they've kind of simulated it, and you're riding your bike around doing missions for various sort of camps, and there are all these these zombies around. They don't call them zombies; they call them freaks, and they are uh, imagine like uh, fast zombies, except they travel in hordes and swarms and stuff. And there's different types, and you're running around doing missions. You're fighting marauders and raiders and cultists, and um, there's a rudimentary upgrade system with your bike, uh, your motorcycle, and uh, the story's not bad. It's a very, very pretty game. Um, there are uh, there is some texture issues where sometimes you'll roll into interaction with an NPC, and because of the way the engine is handling the rendering, or maybe it's uh, I don't know if it's the game as much, or maybe it could be the machine, but. It uh, sometimes the textures won't pop in properly, or the uh, the the mapping on the character textures, so they'll look like faded or kind of like blurry. Um, and sometimes the the weather effects are a little jarring, where it's like you can kind of watch the weather hitting like a direct line, like staggering tick 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 tick, as like the lights or the clouds or whatever are kind of hitting um, the environment. But all in all, it's quite pretty. The voice acting is very good. The, the, the modeling and the rigging is good. It's like AAA gaming for sure. And, uh, it can occasionally be quite satisfying playing and the, there's, uh, it, so overall though, it, it feels just kind of half baked in the sense that when you're playing, did you play GTA five or you've played other ones in the series though, right? We got it for free. Yeah, it was on Epic uh, for free. Um, but something GTA 5, the GTA series has always really done is that a lot of the missions are quite different or they'll mix up the formula where it's like all of a sudden you'll be doing something where it's like, oh, you're moving uh, like uh, ocean f- uh, crates around or, oh, you have to drive a limousine in this one or, oh, you got to like take a helicopter to drop a submarine down in the bay or just like they're very good at like mixing up stuff. It's not all just like go to this place, get in a shootout with the police, uh, drive away okay. real fast. Clear the, clear the area kind of thing. It's yeah, like, clear the area. And unfortunately, um, Days Gone is closer to like an Assassin's Creed in the sense of there's this, this big open world you're doing stuff, but a lot of times you'll just, something will pop up on your mini-map and you're supposed to go here and then it's like, 
uh, kill the raider camp. And it's like, okay, and it's counting down, and it's like, all right, I got 14 raiders to kill. I got 14 marauders. And you, you just kind of rinse and repeat this with a bunch of missions that feel very samey in the sense of, oh, you go here, this guy told you to kill some more marauders. This guy go over here said, go hunt down this one guy who's surrounded by marauders. And it's just like, oh, okay. I, I, I feel like I get the gist. Like, they, if they had more time to make these missions more interesting, maybe it would be uh, a more compelling game. As it is, it's just, it's perfectly fine and serviceable, and it looks really good, and for the most part, plays pretty nicely. So, um, in general, I can see why it wasn't a huge hit, but I think part of the problem, too, is that there's just so many other games in the genre that have been done way better, and case in point, like Red Dead Redemption. So, overall, I would say if you can see it on sale for, I'd say, like, 20 $25, I think that's like a fair price for the game, but if you saw it on sale for anything less, I think there's a lot of content in here to enjoy. That's my... Playing review. it on PlayStation? No, no, PC. They finally oh. ported it. Like, Sony's been doing this a fair bit, bringing these former exclusives to the PC because they're like, well, nobody's buying a PS4 for this, and I think our sales have capped out at this, so let's go after people who don't have this specific console to play this specific game, and let's go forward, so... Hey, really, but... Pardon me? Um, I like that it's set in the Pacific Northwest, so you're basically yes. just trying to survive against the interior <laughs> <Just> Washingtonians <laughs> and <laughs> British Columbians that are always... Smug Cascadians. Kind of post-apocalyptic <laughs> post already in some of those areas. <laughs> it is Falcon quite gorgeous. It, it, has this whole, it has this lovely feeling of... And you know what? I, I, feel, I have a feeling that if you're from the area... You'd get a kick out of it because it'd be like, oh, I recognize, like, because there's yeah, all these historical landmarks in one of these photos. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure they they did the research on that stuff, and um, it, it it is is it is um, as far as I can tell, a, a good recreation of maybe some of these important landmarks in the area and these sections of the like. There's tons of caves and hot springs and crater lakes and things and. Uh, so may, who knows? Maybe if I had had a greater appreciation of the region, I would get more out of this. I don't know. Have you spent any time in the area, Joel? Yeah. Like, grew up in the area, you know. Yeah, but have you spent time in like the U.S. the the Oregon? Yeah, Washington, stuff? Oregon. Yeah. Oregon, not so much. Washington, quite a bit. In fact, my brother's wife is from there, and um, I have cousins and an aunt down there. Okay. So there you go. Olympia, Seattle kind of area. And then, you know, we've gone on like just like kind of camping and road trips inland. Yeah. Once you cross the Rockies, it gets kind of more hickish. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I don't know how much. Is there any city involved in this? Like, do you, do you no, no cities. Like that? Just, no, just no, not that I'm aware of. Okay, I, cool. I think I would, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll show up, but I'm, I'm almost 100% sure we're not. <laughs> they did not do that because that is not the game's strength at all. So anyway, that's Days Gone. So a bit of a, a zombie and monster slaying mayhem going on here. Uh, one from the Japanese doing it, uh, doing it like nobody's business. And the other being a U.S. developer that has maybe like, who knows? Maybe we'll get a sequel to the game one day and uh, they'll really pick up on everything because I think it is a game that with as consoles get more and more powerful and computers get more and more powerful, I think they're really able to articulate these unfortunately super expensive, but these visions of, you know, well, what if all of these or the West Coast was like a, an apocalyptic wasteland? Like, how could we render this? It's like, okay, let's do it. We can actually do it with hordes of monsters and riding around. So we shall see. 
So let's let's take a musical break and we'll back to talk about the I guess the the heavy hitter of our, our games of the week. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, Android's Dungeon. You just listened to two tracks off of Ron Cannon's album, Prisoners, a soundtrack to, uh, I guess, a movie I've not seen, or maybe it's fake. I don't know. There's a lot of these phony soundtracks floating around. Uh, 2021, though, so who knows? Uh, first track, Prisoners. Second track, Six Shadows. You get off of the future 80s records Bandcamp, or maybe from Ron Cannon's official website or band camp who knows but some good dark 80s dark wave synth wave stuff uh we were listening to a whole bunch of future 80s records during uh, our game of civ just a bunch of very it was poppy summery synth stuff it was a little disco-y at times a little happier than i'm used to but i don't know anything i can turn on and just not think about for a good hour and a half or so i think works you're not just sitting there playing dj who wants to listen to this anyone have any suggestions who wants to say, Joel, hit me, baby, one more time. Okay, we'll load up. Hit me, baby, one more time. Uh, I, I honestly, it's one of the things I really miss about um, recording in the studio is we used to sit there and listen to the song and usually chat about what we were, um, you know, discussing in the in the show and just like quick, just kind of run down on. Then we would continue on, right? And yeah. then we we'd have that song. We could like talk about how it made us feel, and the maybe the other kind of music and musical inspiration that it sounded like, and yeah. uh, you know comparisons and everything like that. But now we just cut, <laughs> and then Jack inserts the song later, not to spoil the magic. Well, so we have like yeah. three seconds of silence followed by the description of the song that I haven't heard. <laughs> the secret then... sauce has been out. <laughs> yeah. And then we move on with our lives. <laughs> the, the sausage is being made in front of you, people, and yeah. now it's. But this it's, is all live Thursdays, one p.m. on CFRU. Yeah, the, okay. what you're listening to is a weird live version of the show. Uh, Joel, we got to play a game that I've played once before, um, and I'm just going to set up the premise of it, and then I'll let you go. Uh, like you mentioned before, Sidereal Confluence. It is a uh, the subtext or the sub tag of the game is uh, like uh, trading and negotiation in the uh, something quadrant, and it is an un- and a fairly unusual game in the kind of pantheon of board games that are popular. Not in the sense that there's trading and negotiation because there's a lot of that in a lot of games, but this is a game that leans into it 100%. There's no direct aggression, at least not in uh, outside of one race that we have not played as yet, but it's its own beast where you are hustling and trying to get deals to acquire goods, turn into other goods, to ultimately make into uh, victory points in several different ways. Uh, it can go up to, I don't know, it feels like it can go up to nine players, and I think that would be absurd. I think that would be something to behold because I don't even think a table could hold nine people. Uh, no, playing this the game. footprint of this game is it is else. big. So let's. I'll let you go. Uh, what did you think of Sidereal Confluence? Um, well, we we received our characters, and I don't know if it's out of five or what, but there's like a complexity of each thing, and I think they do this in. Uh, Cosmic Encounter, where you have green cards 
yellow cards and red cards. The green cards are like very basic. It's like, oh, you're the humans. You have plus one to your something. And then there's like red cards, which is like, oh, you're the mirror. You can copy everything that your opponent does. And, you know, it's much more uh, complex. So Sam ended, Sam had a four complexity and I had a two complexity. So we switched. And, whoo, man, it was tough. And I know that it was very difficult for you to teach it. Sidereal Confluence is basically a game where you, the box, we, we joked about this during the game, but the box says it's, it takes two hours to play, and an hour of that is setting up the game. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the way it felt. But Sidereal Confluence is a game you've probably described on the show before, but I'll give it a quick rundown of what I thought of it was it is a game of uh, basically getting a whole bunch of stuff that you, some of it you might need some, and some of it you don't need at all, and then trading it with other people in order to get the stuff that you do need. So you look out on the mat, on the environment of maybe four to nine players, or whatever, and you say, oh, well, that guy's got a hexagon. I really need a hexagon. What can I trade him in order to get it? And then you make him an offer. And the offers are really creative in that you can you can offer something, you know, like in the future, you know, you, you might not even be giving them. You might be giving them one of your cards. You might even be getting letting them use one of your cards. Like you can offer anything you want. You can't. There's no strict rules on like, well, I'm just going to offer this one item, um, which I thought was really cool. And I I think I tried it once where I I I talked to you and I said, look, I don't have anything right now. But if you let give me your hex, I'll give you any two cubes. I'll like I'll use the hex to produce all of this stuff, and then you can have half of it. And I'm not sure I, that was me because I don't recall that deal at all. So unless I got screwed, <laughs> it was on the first turn, and <laughs> it might be that like in the chaos of the game, we we both forgot about the deal. Yeah. Are you there, Joel? Yeah, sorry. I just I got a phone call that I just had to hang up. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if we we, we got disconnected. <laughs> it, popped, it popped up. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Basically, you you trade, and then what? You, I I don't know because I didn't play all the other races. But what I had in front of me was a whole bunch of converters, and basically converters have a ratio saying, let's you've got three three you know arbitrary value worth of stuff and if you run this converter you'll end up with six or you'll end up with seven or whatever and so basically if you operate this machinery you have down in the form of cards you will take a small amount of cubes and make a bigger amount of cubes and then in the next round uh you can take that bigger amount of cubes and some of it you might want to run your converters but some of it will again be useless to you so you'll go out again into the market and be like well i have blue cubes i don't use blue cubes anyone out there wants some blue cubes and they got big cubes and small cubes and hexagonal cubes and then there's this additional phase where we have a bunch of ships and we bid those on uh new technologies and colonies and the colony thing will jack will have to explain because i wasn't allowed to have colonies so i would just bid on them to trade to other people so why don't you take over with colonies and, and run run with it from so there? so like Joel's saying it's it's split up into four main sections and the there the first section is when you are doing the the main trading and you're doing all that stuff and you're also allowed to perform a couple of upgrade actions like there's they split it up you can only upgrade certain things at certain times so you do that then and you trade all your goods then and uh, you're you're making it work you're hustling 
And uh, then after you're done that section there, uh, you you run your converters. And uh, I think I'm, I'm doing this in the right order. And the converters are basically, everyone's got in front of them cards. And each, like Joel mentioned, there are a bunch of different races and they all kind of handle the game differently. But fundamentally, everyone's doing the same thing where they've got cards in front of them and they're putting cubes and things into them and they're spitting out other stuff. So that's when everyone runs their converters and you put things in, get stuff out. And uh, some of these things are going to make ships. Some of them make victory points. Some of them make just different color cubes. So then from there, you also have a section where you're bidding on stuff. And that's where the technologies and colonies, like Joel was mentioning, come from. And depending on the player count, it scales up to, like, there's going to be more available or less available. And what everyone does is you're supposed to take these ships that you've got, these little tokens, and you split them up in your hands, and you let everyone know how many ships you've got. And then everyone will, one at a time, or simultaneously, excuse me, announce uh, what, based on what you're bidding on. So let's say we're bidding on colonies, which are these planet cards that produce raw goods every round and can be upgraded to better planets if you kind of spend the resources on them. You spend these uh, your ships, and everyone reveals them at once, and whoever's got the most ships gets their first pick of the colonies. Uh, they're never allowed to go less than the amount of ships, or they're never allowed to go more on the colony track than the amount of ships they bid. So if there's a colony that's worth four and they only bid three, they can't grab that guy. There's tiebreakers, so certain races will always lose in ties, certain races will always win, and so on. That You go down from there, so everyone's fighting over these things. You can only grab one of each. Some people might not get anything. And you pick up these cards and they go in front of you and they're going to generate stuff. Um, then you go down and do it again for the these technologies that are out there, which are these things that are worth tons of points and grant you the ability when you make them to use them for free, for, or not for free, use them for the one round to the exclusivity of everyone else. But these things are expensive. Uh, some of them take like 14 giant cubes. Some of them take uh like hilarious amounts of tiny cubes and so on like they're very difficult to to kind of purchase and and activate and make work um so you're doing all this stuff here and then the fourth round is the confluence phase and this is where you know it's 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 a pretty quick one but every time you invent technology in this game you are considered to be the hero you're the you're the scientist that did it and when you invent it you get a bonus based on the round for inventing technology and you get those victory points but the cool thing is that kind of, and this is something we've kind of talked about in other games, Joel. I don't know if in our discussions of Civ or maybe uh, a different version of Twilight Imperium or something. A specific game that does this really well. But yeah. go on. It's, it's where if somebody invents something, uh, well, you know, also um, Through the Ages does this too. But when you invent something, um, you get it for a bit, and then afterward, it's considered that the technology has now been reverse engineered or shared with the rest of the galaxy. Shared, I think, is more the, the more proper way to do it. And, and, and everyone gets that technology then, starting the next round. So every technology that's invented, everyone then, every other player gets to use it for the next round and so on. And so, in a sense, by inventing something, you may have got a victory, bunch of victory points, but you've also assisted the rest of the galaxy. And now they're all taking advantage of your technological developments as well. Um, I know Joel is going to jump in in a second, but uh, Through the Ages does this with warfare. So if you invent a military tactic in Through the Ages, you get it exclusive for one round. 
And then the following round, it goes into the common tactics and everyone can copy it. So basically you get one crack at being the, uh, <laughs> the, the tough guy in the, in the world and then phalanxes. But then everyone else has the opportunity to copy. You're the only person that has that stuff anyway. Yeah. So what game are you thinking of? Well, I wasn't thinking specifically about the uh, the copying element, although that does come up in quite a few games. I was thinking about the, uh, the element how basically in the first round, if you invent something, that's cost you a lot of production probably, or like yeah. potential for production. So your reward is you get six victory points for everything you invent in addition to whatever your mm -hmm. card tells you to get. And no yeah. one else gets victory points for these inventions, only you. And that's yeah. kind of the meat of victory points in the game. I think I invented two things, and each one gave me about 10 points. I ended up with like 20 points. And then in addition to the, all the product I had, ended up with a whole bunch. But um, basically, you need to invent in order to get the points you need to win. So at some point, you're going to have to end up inventing. Um, it's kind of the goal of the game, I think. And yes, everybody else ends up getting the technology and, and you only get it for one turn. But the points you get decrease as the game goes on, right? So first round, if you invent something, that was really fast. Congrats, you get six points. Then you get four points, and then two points, and then one point or something like that. I can't remember what the exact numbers yeah, are. Yeah, there are only six rounds. Keep that in mind. Yeah, so eventually you <laughs> only get a very small amount of bonus points for inventing something, but you still get the points on the card. Well, um, it's a trade-off because I, I, theoretically you're not going to be inventing something that's going to give you 14 VP right from the get-go because you just can't realistically do it unless stuff, you yeah. traded like <laughs> some sort of savant or something. So it's meant to balance that out. But yeah, and it's also bonus a VPs, as well. They're not a multiplier, but uh, I was thinking of a game I really love that I have I actually haven't played in like two years, which now I'm thinking maybe I should get it out, is Amerigo. Do you remember playing yeah. that? Yes, yes. And there's this whole thing where you're discovering new islands and then you, you can populate the whole island with buildings. And once the whole island is full, you get X points times whatever round it is, and it gets lower the further the round goes. Yeah. So if you yeah. explore an island really quick, you're going to get a ton of points, and then it goes down from there. And that just when we were playing that, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I know this functionality, right? It's like kind of this, you could spend your stuff, and I mean, all games have this where there's this kind of swing where I need to produce economy, I need to get engine going, and then I need to get points. And what point do you swing from economic production into victory point production. And there are strategies where you get early victory points and you kind of push into that. But usually, at least for me, I don't know about you, I try to shun all of that stuff. Anything that's giving me victory points at the start, I said no. In fact, there's even options in the game and you can even trade in Sidereal Confluence your victory points away for other stuff. And it gives you an approximate market value of your victory points yeah. on the trade sheet that's just like a little like little cheat sheet, little guide on like, well, if you're trading a hex, you should be getting two large cubes. And if you're trading a large cube, you should be getting two small cubes, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, that's not a rule, but every, as soon as it's put there, everyone's like, well, look, at this is the law of equivalent exchange you need to honor this, right? It's kind of like the maps in Civilization, where it's I, like, I, well, technically, Southern Crete belongs to 
I was just going to say, that's something that I wish the game didn't do. Didn't um, do, yeah, exactly. The same thing with Mega Civ or C Civilization, where it's like... But it's up to the players to recognize that they don't have to follow those rules. I mean, I just, you, uh, with wild wild goods, yeah. could really demand whatever you wanted for them, Well, that's right? it. That's that's what I kind of like about the... So there, so you have the basic races, like Joel was saying, but they're, they can be more or less complicated, depending on what you're doing. Like they, Just because they're, they're basic doesn't necessarily mean they're easy. Um they all do different things. So, so let's go down the table real quick here. So, uh, explain what yours did, Joel. It was super complicated, like I said. But basically, I wasn't allowed to have colonies. And then the other thing was that I needed to generate fleets, which were just uh, ship symbols. Each thing had a cost, and then I could put the card down. And then each for each fleet I had, I could take a look at whatever fleets needed to run my converters. And I could run that many converters. So the more fleets I had, the more converters I could run. And then in addition to that, I needed the goods just like everybody else in order to convert the small things into the big things. Yeah, so Joel's gimmick was if he basically, his his economy was based around these like ships that are like maybe like colonies floating in space or something like uh, flotillas to do the the dirty work. So, uh, and then I don't recall what Samantha's one was. What was her gimmick? Hers, uh, she could she could have a whole bunch of colonies. I know that, yeah. and then I don't know. It was really easier for her, easy for her to produce economies or something like that, or make them run. All right. Well, neither of us really remember it. It's just like <laughs> she did something. Uh, did. Tia's Tia's was the plant race, and her whole thing is that her ships are worth half as much, but her any colony she gets, she can put these tokens on them, and they produce twice as much. So she had an insane amount of cubes by the end because um, her colonies were just outputting tons of stuff. And I think she really likes green cubes. I could have been, I think I was, I could be wrong about that, but it makes kind of sense if thematically, as far as that goes. Um, Mark's was the one I played the first time. And that is you're basically a race of super intelligent robots. And Mark was having the, like, his was tons of fun because he was doing role playing. And the, the, the race that he has, their gimmick is that. They they do two things. The first uh, is that they have this deck of like relic worlds, and you can basically pay resources to be able to draw from this relic world deck. And they go up in front of you, and they all do really cool things. And they're expensive, but they're powerful. Um, and this is arguably one of the flaws of the race because all these plants are very powerful, but some are better than others. And one is directly great for their other one gimmick, which is <clears throat> excuse me. They have this thing to hand out favors to people, or as uh, we started to call them, the attaboys in uh, in the game, oh, because they they count as little tokens that whenever you invent a technology, they get their tokens back and they get VPs based on the amount of attaboys that you've acquired for this this game. So at one point, I think Joel had like six or seven of these things or something, and I, I thought for sure. I thought you were trolling Mark so hard that you were never going to invent a single technology. <laughs> just, just, just well, that was the thing. I didn't want to tell Mark because he kept wanting to give me out of boys. Yeah. Uh, but the I was just following the strategy guide purely. And yeah. The strategy guide said, "Do not invent attack until at least the fourth round because you need to get your economy going as this thing." Because sure. what do they say? You you need nine turns to get the economy going, and there's six turns in the game. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. So the in order to mitigate that, you have to do two things. One, don't invent any techs and just 
invest in economy. And the yeah. second thing, which worked amazingly one time, because apparently I never had to pay Jack back, was to borrow goods for yeah. around in order to uh, and pay people back later because your converters are so powerful. Just get and that so, cash and worry about it later. So I was just taking, making all these trades with Mark and he was always like, but you got to take an attaboy. I'm like, sure. And then what ended up happening was I had almost all of his tokens. Yeah. And I didn't even mean to do this, but it worked out really well in that he couldn't give anybody else them Yeah. because I had them all. <laughs> and so he wasn't able to produce his victory points. Well, and this is where it got interesting. So he couldn't touch these things for a while. Like he's, he was kind of hamstrung. Um, and then all of a sudden he started this, he built this relic world and its bonus was uh, everyone can use attaboys as a discount of one requirement, one cost uh, per attaboy for any technology that's researched. So all of a sudden Joel has this like stack of half dozen attaboys that all of a sudden the tech is like half off and it's a great deal for mark a brilliant deal for mark because now he's getting vps just like people want his stuff like yeah toss him in i don't care i'll i'll take a discount on these things because attaboys are easy it's cheap and easy so if for me because i had a i think i had a tech that required six large cubes yeah and so it's like like, free free tech just out of the world like wow yeah fantastic so I th- and uh, so anyway, Mark. That was Mark's thing. Um, and Kayla's was she was the bug race, and they have a weird double converter thing set up. And I think they have they can get they have their own special deck of colonies that they draw from, or they they acquire. I I don't totally understand them. I think Mark played them the first time. Uh, so aside from that, I don't know what to say because I really wasn't paying attention to her game. And then for me, I was one of the I I I, I dipped my toe into the quote unquote advanced races, and mine was Unity, which is I guess the 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 galaxy's garbage men, and you take you're all about producing wild cubes. You're the only race that can make them. Uh, I think there might be some other ones. I could be wrong, but uh, and you are your 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 whole gimmick is all your converters can run on any color cube, and you output specific ones but also some wild cubes and you're supposed to be just like hoovering up all the garbage in the galaxy because you don't care what it is but your wild cubes are very valuable because obviously it can be anything so you know you're trying to hustle and bustle and greenbacks rustle so anyway i think we we it, it like joel was saying we it got off to a slightly rocky start because the setup we hadn't played this in about six months i think and i remember when we played it the first time the setup was a pain and i remember teaching it was a pain and so luckily we weren't starting from ground zero as far as um teaching it but setting up was like almost like i'd say i remembered 30 percent of it um and there's so much variability of the setup with regard to certain things uh, like the the different colony tracks and research tracks and then the different races and it, it's a it's a hilarious amount of crap that's just dumped on the table to look at and try to sort yourself out around and you're trying to explain concepts and certain things make sense to you when you read it, but somebody asks you a question, you go, uh, uh, oh, I don't know anymore. And then you just try to proceed, like you, you try to answer authoritatively and just hope it works and just yeah. <laughs> move on with stuff. Uh, so like Joel was saying, the, the joke about setting taking an hour to set up and go, I could cut that down to 20 minutes, I think, if we play it again in like tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, like as a, as a first time player, I have to say that like when the game was being set up, you know, I was game for it. I suggested it. I wanted to play it. 
Yeah, because I wanted to learn a new game, and I've heard a lot about this, and I think I watched the Shut Up and Sit Down about this yeah. a long, long, yeah, long, yeah, long yeah, time yeah, ago, yeah. and like they loved it, loved it. And I mean, I'm not make, basing all my decisions off <laughs> Shut Up and Sit Down, but you know, I, I had it in the back of my mind as like this was a good game, and I remember you saying that it was a good game. Yeah, and so, but when the setup began, I was like, oh man, this is a lot. And like, just, I remember reading the back of my card and I remember I gave it to you after and, and I was just like, read one paragraph about seven or eight times. Just like, what does this mean? It's not the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's first, and this is a second edition, which is incredible to think about. Uh, we've only got three minutes left, so I don't want to dwell on this too much, but this yep. is a second edition of a game that the the initial and, and i th- i don't even think people are are totally convinced this is better than the first one as far as the graphic design goes because i think the the original one the graphic design there were complaints and and there's still issue like there's still like for example tia was researching something and her tech didn't match the name of the tech everyone else had like they had actually misprinted the name of her tech for some bloody reason and nobody caught it in a second edition of a game which is just incredible to me. I don't think the components are necessarily fantastic. It's just cards. I think the cards are kind of ugly and the font is sometimes difficult to read based like dark backgrounds and kind of dark colors, like dark purples and uh, and dark reds. And the the tech upgrade thing is kind of difficult to read. And it's when you've got a table of, like we were sitting with six people and it was, as far as I can tell, it would have been impossible for everyone to truly see what techs were being researched conveniently. Or the colonies are easy because you just look at the color, big deal. But the text, impossible. So people were just mostly, at least what I was doing was I was just going by the cost of the, like the victory points that were on them and maybe what color cube if I could sort of see if it would work or not. It, it's just, for a game that relies on so many people being able to glean information quickly and succinctly and to facilitate deals and negotiations, it's a total failure as far as I'm concerned with, with regard to the graphic design that, like, you need to be able to establish like like this is something with board games like with an actual board in front of them you need to be able to tell the board state at a glance you don't need to you should not need to get out like a, a magnifying glass or have to position yourself at this exact angle yeah, there is no board things. state right like you yeah. build it yourself yeah but i can't it, like i should be able to see what sort of text people have in order to say the, like yeah and the complexity available is that you eventually should know everyone else's yes text and everyone else's functionality as a race and obviously yeah. it's kind of like the root problem in that it would take you like seven seven runs at the game before you're actually yeah that's totally fair like you need to it, it, you need an understanding of what everyone's doing and how do you get there so i don't know it, but beyond that uh we got one minute left i'm just gonna say like I had a great time. I was so happy to have been able to get it out and play with more people. Play it again, and especially play with six people. And uh, what did you think, Joel? Did you enjoy it? Do you think uh, your wife enjoyed it? I think that, like, at the beginning, like I said, it was really intimidating. And then by the end, we absolutely loved it, and we want to play again. Fantastic. That's what I want to hear. All right, we're going to end it there. Thank you for listening. Android's Dungeon, CFRU 93.3 FM. Check us out on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU. Shoot us an email, droiddungeonradio at cfru dot... Uh, actually, I think droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. I forget our Gmail, our uh, CFRU address, but uh, and check us on Instagram, androidsdungeonradio. I forget. Uh, anyway, I'm Jack. 
<laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>